This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and my name is Daniel Francis Baranowski. And yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. As I hope you know by now, this is my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Now, whether you're new to the Frankly Daniel Show or a longtime listener, welcome and thank you for joining me today. I'm very excited about today's show. I mean, wow. Wow, indeed, there is so much to cover in so little time. Shall we start? Did you get a chance, perchance, to catch any of Joe Biden's activities or speeches this past week in Poland? Lots of malarkey and political stagecraft, I'm afraid. Now, as they're fond of saying in Texas, Joe is all hat and no cattle. So is his stagecraft. And in Poland and Kiev this past week, Joe's malarkey? And stagecraft was piled high and deep. Uh, To begin with, the liberal legacy media swooned all over the bravery of Joe for going into a Ukrainian war zone in secret, unannounced, as a surprise visit. And he didn't even wear a bicycle helmet. For gosh sakes, have you ever heard any of the scores of Joe Biden's war stories in which he is the center of the story? Well, then you can imagine what this visit will generate going forward. So don't be surprised if in months, Joe tells us his visit was jam-packed with exploding missiles and shrapnel flying left and right. And by the grace of God, he was able to save the Ukrainian president because he had just completed the American Heart Association's advanced course in cardiopulmonary resuscitation. But the truth, but the truth occasionally gets in the way of the far-left press and media. And we find out that our State Department had, had contacted the Russians. Yeah, they, they called them up and said, hours in advance, we're alerting you that President Joe is going to be in Kiev for several hours. We're just doing this as a courtesy, as a heads up. In other words, don't dare shoot him. And they didn't. So Joe takes the train from Warsaw to Kiev, and there's the Ukrainian president ready to greet Joe Joe's message is, greetings and hallucinations, it's me, Joe Biden in the flesh. They hug each other as if they spent days upon end in a crowded foxhole in some other war. So after the fake surprise of Joe's immaculate reception, we hear the loud, haunting blare of air raid sirens, sirens that appear magically timed to the moment the two presidents walk out of the shelter of the train station. How could this be? It's a, it is if these two wartime presidents are about to fend off dozens of Russian missiles instead of seeking immediate shelter. There's not a single secret service agent even in the picture. No, 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 no. Joe is braving the Russians as if he's walking naked to show the world that sticks and stones might hurt his bones. But Russian missiles? Yet, yet, yet. So, Voldemort Zelensky and tough guy Joe Biden the Woke, a title he wears proudly, the very man who stared down Corn Pop. And as the sirens blared, neither president nor anyone else at this location flinches. As those of us watching television await the excitement of Joe running helter-skelter through the bombs that are bursting everywhere. 
<laughs> but alas, there are no missiles. There were never going to be any missiles, because I've, as I've said before, the State Department had already contacted the Russians about the visit. And even in a game of checkers, because that's all I think Joe's up to, there are rules and courtesies. Now, when your opponent calls a timeout, timeout is granted. So Joe and Baltimore Zelensky, they're walking calmly down the avenue, and neither of them pays a lick of attention to the sirens, and we swoon. We can't believe the bravery. Nor do they notice the clear blue skies that serve as the perfect, near-angelic backdrop for heroic photographs of the two deep in conversation and smiles as they walk down the gauntlet of reporters and photographers, all part of Joe's entourage. In other words, they came with him on the train. Now, what an astonishing scene of remarkable bravery. And that's the way the press portrayed it. And you can hear all those cameras clicking those future campaign photos. Now, it is possible Joe didn't hear the sirens, or that he was concentrating so hard on walking without stumbling that it never occurred to them that these sirens meant a danger. You have to remember, Joe stumbled up the stairs boarding Air Force One uh, some time ago. He stumbled three times. And wouldn't you believe it, on his way home from Poland back to the United States, once again, Joe stumbled up the stairs. And it was caught on camera. But after several hours of this silliness in Ukraine, Joe returned to Poland to have bilateral talks with, of course, Polish leaders. Now, do I sound cynical? (laughs) You bet I do. I've been to Poland several times. I was part of a Project Hope pediatric open-heart surgical teaching team on mission to the American Children's Hospital at the Agalonian University in Krakow, Poland, to both perform diagnostic surgery and recovery in a teaching team setting. Believe it or not, in 1982... Poland, a nation of 38 million. There was no pediatric open-heart surgery program happening in Poland. There was no pediatric open-heart surgery, period. Why, you might ask? Because no one in Poland had been trained to do the surgery. That's how well the Russians supported their satellite countries. Uh, That is why we were there as part of a multi-team effort over several years to create this what you'd call life-saving service in Krakow. Now, I was there in the first days of January 1982, which also happened to be about four days after the Polish government called for martial law across the country. Now, no doubt it was ordered by the supreme beings in Moscow. Yes, there were tanks in the street, identity checkpoints about every three or four blocks, soldiers everywhere. It was totally surreal. The Berlin Wall was still up at the time, and the Soviets ruled over their satellites, like Poland being one of them. At the time, our Project Hope humanitarian trip made us the only Westerners allowed into Poland at that time. I have a lot to say about that adventure, but this too I'll have to save for a future show. Suffice it to say, I know Poland, including Warsaw and Krakow, well. So back to our storyteller, Joe Biden. Now, here's a couple of quick audio clips I'd like to share with you about Joe's adventures in Poland this past week. 
But first, I need you to hear a clip of Joe speaking several months ago about how the Puerto Ricans raised Joe while he was a young lad growing up in a small town in Delaware. No, I just happened to have an audio clip of that news conference. We have a very, in relative terms, large Puerto Rican population in Delaware, relative to our population. We have the eighth largest black population in the country, and between all minorities, we have 20% of our state is minority. And so I, uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. Now here's a clip from Joe's discussion with the polls just the other day. I was kidding with the president. I was, uh, as a young man, I was uh, born in a coal town of Scranton, Pennsylvania, northeastern Pennsylvania, in an Irish Catholic neighborhood. Then when coal died, we moved down to Delaware, to a town called Claymont, Delaware, which was a working class town. And, uh, but everybody in town was either Polish or Italian. I grew up feeling self-conscious. My name didn't end in an SKI or an O. Um, but all kidding aside, the connection between, I was telling the, the president, the pride, the overwhelming demonstrable pride that Given Baranowski is a Polish-American surname, I happen to be one of those SKI names, Joe, that's very concerned anytime you're in Poland or talk about Poland, or I'm concerned about what might happen in Poland because of your involvement. I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, I just happen to be a little cynical. Now, somehow, it is beginning to sound like Joe Biden grew up at the United Nations and, and not in the small town of Delaware. Yes, I found this clip curious. I do apologize for the sound of that clip. The speakers were using single microphones, and Joe's voice began to go, actually, the first morning in Poland. By the end of the conference, it sounded like he was whispering the whole time, which sort of made it difficult when he used this technique of whispering during his talks. Uh, you can imagine. Now, before leaving this curiosity, I'd like to play a clip from the same speech Joe gave, where he claims to have tight family relationships with Puerto Ricans. Now, here's the clip. Tina McCarthy, a former regulator in Massachusetts, was telling me on the way up how folks used to get a rag out and wipe the gunk off of their car's windshields in the morning just to be able to drive. Not very much unlike where I grew up in a place called Claymont, Delaware. And guess what? The first frost... You know what was happening. You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time, Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. Now perhaps this is the reason Joe Biden has it in for fossil fuels. He's blaming his cancer and so many other cancers of people that lived in Delaware on the oil industry. Because that oil used to show up on his windshield every time there was a frost. It's really a curious, follow the science, trust the science, you understand that. That uh, somehow, well, I probably shouldn't go there. I wonder whether Dr. Fauci has anything to say about that. Perhaps if they were masking, maybe double masking when he was growing up, that the oil wouldn't have caused any cancer. I mean, it, it really needed to have an NIH study about this. I mean... I'm, sh I'm sure there's some very curious science here.
Well, not to bore you with this, Trevia, much longer. I did listen to Joe Biden's address to a multinational audience in Warsaw the other evening. And, well, I should. I do care about what wars we're getting ourselves into, which wars we're getting more involved into, and where our tax dollars are going. Along, I should add, with the dollars we're borrowing on our national credit card to pay for the weapons we're sending Ukraine. Now, every time Joe Biden goes to Europe, he acts like their fairy godmother, leaving billions of dollars under each of their pillows. Well, as an aside, I can't help but get distracted, so just go with me here. I don't know if you've heard this news flash from the other day. Lord knows there's so many news stories and flashes every hour, much less every day. It's truly impossible to keep up with them. But anyway, the Biden administration has signaled they're tripling our military footprint in Taiwan effective immediately. Now, you should understand we should be concerned about what happens to Taiwan. Not only are they an ally, but they manufacture probably 80% of all the computer chips we use. No Taiwan means no computer chips. No computer chips means we're in a world of hurt here. And it just highlights once again our codependency on China. In fact, it may not be so co, it may be a very one-sided dependency as it's come to date. We're all the things that we could be held hostage for in any dispute. Everything from uh, drugs, uh, batteries, uh, all kinds of chemicals. It's amazing how deep the roots are that China has into our supply chain. So what is this tripling of troops? What does that mean anyway? Well, we have a small contingent of active military stationed in Taiwan, and it's strictly a training role. That's what I've been led to believe anyway. That This move is going to increase the staffing there to a, a little bit more than about 200 active military. Uh, I, I'm beginning to think this may be a response to the Chinese balloon incident. Now, undoubtedly, this will pique the Chinese, and we're just going to have to wait for their tit-for-tat, and surely it's going to be coming. Uh, but this troop increase raises some really troubling concerns. And they're supposed to be there in a training role strictly, training up the equipment. You know, the, Taiwan purchased $19 billion of military hardware for, from us that we're still getting around to delivering. This war in Ukraine has really stripped our ability to supply people who've already purchased these weapons well, we're giving them away uh, to Ukraine. This is a war we should have never gotten into because it shouldn't have been necessary. But uh, let me hold back on that. Uh, what if China launches an attack that kills American servicemen and women? A whole lot of what-ifs, I know. They're all troubling what-ifs. My suggestion is that Biden give the Ukrainians the weapons they truly need to win and win quickly this war so we can focus on the real goal, the global threat, and, and that is China. But I digress again, and please forgive me. So let me return to Biden's evening speech before thousands of Poles and other delegations from Eastern European nations. In this speech, Joe Biden pledges another $500 million of aid to Ukraine. Now, so far, we have spent $113 billion on this proxy war with Russia. 
And the Europeans, more specifically, the NATO countries, have kicked in, what do you guess? Uh, if you guessed $40 billion, you would be correct. We're at three thirteen. They're at forty billion, and they're much larger than us uh, when you put them all those nations together. Now, as a refresher, here is a voice you are likely familiar with. You may not even know this, but you are familiar with this voice. It is someone who spoke this spoke to this exact issue on May twenty fifth of two thousand seventeen, six years ago. Yeah, see if you recognize the speaker. And, and, and note, uh, once again, that this address to NATO in Europe took place nearly six years ago. Here we go. I have been very, very direct with Secretary Stoltenberg and members of the alliance in saying that NATO members must finally contribute their fair share and meet their financial obligations. But 23 of the 28 member nations are still not paying what they should be paying. This is not fair to the people and taxpayers of the United States. If you guessed that was Donald Trump, you were right. Now, since that Trumpian speech, NATO has had six more nations pitch in at least 2% of their gross domestic product into their defense, bringing the total to 9 out of 29 nations belonging to NATO. Only 9 out of 29 have hit the 2% or greater threshold that they've all set for themselves many, 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 many years ago. It happens to be the smaller Eastern European nations that have risen to the challenge. Latvia, Croatia, Slovak Republic, Estonia, Lithuania, those are small countries, and it's hard for them to come up to 2% out of that very small uh, GDP, but uh, missing? Yeah, of course, the bigger European nations. To name a few, France, 1.9%. Germany, 1.4%. Italy, 1.5%. Canada, you know, freeloading Canada, 1.3%. Spain, 1.1%. No wonder freeloading Europe has gladly allowed Joe to wallow in his delusion that he is the leader of the free world. Heck, we're paying a hefty price for Joe's title. Now, I'll save my comments about the Ukraine-Russian proxy war for a future show. But I can comfortably and knowledgeably say that had Joe not botched our departure from Afghanistan, had Joe not endorsed Putin's Nord Stream 2 pipeline, allowing Russia to streamline sending their fossil fuels to Germany and many other European countries. Remember that pipeline that Trump was got, had put away and said, no, you're not doing it, Putin? Joe turned around and did it, which is a head-scratcher because Joe's the guy that's anti-fossil fuels. H- had Joe not said in an ill-timed public comment that, that Russia and a Russian invasion into Ukraine might be okay if it was only a teeny-weeny minor incursion. We would not be in this pickle had Joe sent the Ukrainians the needed lethal weapons in time to drive the Russians back in the very early stages of this proxy war. We wouldn't be in this pickle had Joe not been Joe and if Joe did not have the same lame Secretary of Defense and woke General Milley as his chief of military advisors. 
We wouldn't be in this pickle had Joe been Donald Trump instead of Joe. Had Joe this and that. Joe would have had the time to travel to Ohio, specifically to East Palestine, had Joe not flubbed all these things that went before. Now let me play this audio clip from Joe's speech the other day in Poland. I jumped out of my seat when I heard these words out of Joe's mouth. I think he'll be surprised as well. Appetites of the autocrat cannot be appeased. They must be opposed. Autocrats only understand one word. No, no, no. No, you will not take my country. No, you will not take my freedom. No, you will not take my future. For free people refuse to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. Now, let me read that back to you. The words are very important. Quote, Appetites of the autocrat cannot be appeased. They must be opposed. Autocrats only understand one word. No, no, no. You will not take my country. You will not take my freedom. You will not take my future. For free people refuse to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. I must tell you, I thought Joe Biden was talking about himself. And I was cheering him on all the way. No, your appetite for autocrat rule, much as you've ruled during the COVID-19 pandemic, cannot be appeased again. Nor can your 400-plus autocratic executive presidential baloney orders be allowed to shut down our energy exploration, production, and distribution channels and hike the price out of every darn energy source, making us pay for it, opened Your autocratic rule has opened our territorial borders to literally millions of people who did not even have the courtesy, not even the courtesy, to stop by Border Patrol for a fist bump before gallivanting across our country. I mean, you know who these people are. They're the notorious Godaways. There's only 1.2 million of them. We have no idea who they are, what their backgrounds are, which countries they're from, or if they're on the terror watch list, but they're here now living among us. And that number grows every day. Not to mention the captured 200 illegal aliens who just happened to be on the terrorist watch list that we captured. No way, Joe. No way. Your appetite for autocratic rule cannot be appeased again. No to blanket amnesty and certainly no amnesty before complete border security. No, Joe. What Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is doing is not security. It is not even safety. It has nothing to do with maintaining our sovereignty. And it has nothing to do with our homeland. No, Joe. No more inflation, which should really be called inflammation because it makes, makes one's budget all red and sore. No, Joe, your appetite for autocratic rule cannot be and will not be appeased again. No to letting your wacko CDC, FDA, and Dr. Fauci drive some of us to our early graves and saddle our children with learning disabilities and behindness. Yes, Joe, behindness. They're hopelessly behind. And we're not spending your COVID money on helping them improve. Instead, you have cities using COVID money to pay reparations to African-Americans because of slavery. That is a complete betrayal, Joe. It's a betrayal. 
No more baby formula nightmares that turn into daymares and around-the-clock panics. No more unacknowledged toxic train derailments by your non-responsive cabinet secretaries. Just because they're all Republicans there, Joe, is no reason to turn your back on them. Do you realize, Joe, that Mayor Pete thinks he and not you should be the president? And I have to say to Pete, no, we're never going to make you president. Never. Not in my lifetime. Not in my children's lifetime. No more autocracy, Joe. No more command to control. No more gender identity and barbaric gender-affirming surgery, Joe. No. No, Joe. Your appetite for autocratic rule cannot be appeased again. No No talk of making Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico states, each with two Democrat Party senators, forever. No way, way, Joe, no way. No to the increasing national debt and no to more wasteful spending like the green energy scams that you're into, Joe. And no, we are not going to add three or six or nine, twelve more justices to the Supreme Court under your rule, Joe, We have already nominated somebody that you violated every principle of equality as guaranteed in the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And this person can't even define what a woman is. No, we are no longer going to genuflect before the sacrificial altar of climate change nonsense, Joe. It's just complete nonsense. And you're robbing us and our children of our future by putting our money into something that's a losing cause. You forget, Joe, no government mandate ever came out and said, we are going to eliminate horses in such a year. In 10 years, you can no longer own a horse or ride a horse. We didn't have to do that because the technology came along to replace the horse. A technology will come along to replace perhaps fossil fuels, but that isn't happening during your tenure, and it sure the heck is not happening in the next decade, as you made clear that was your hope and the State of the Union address, but I'll tell you, Joe, you're just out to lunch without a menu on this one. You know, the number of kids that are having nightmares, that are complaining to their parents that they have headaches because they're afraid afraid of climate change, you've such instilled such a poison in the minds of so many young people, I'm sure you know just about what time it is right about now. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back because every day it's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back in here. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniels Show. And I'm not kidding. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe. Yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared. Sea level rise has not been unusual and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan, a plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure 
a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. I'm happy to be back. I hope you are too, and I promise not to get too energetic this second half round. Now, while I'm thinking about it, I did want you to know that I game plan each Frankly Daniel Show. I do sit down, carve out the main points that I hope to make, and then they attempt to set these parts into some kind of overall theme. Now, if you scroll back through my scores of past shows, on the America Out Loud website, you'll, you'll notice that each of my shows does have a theme. I, I, and I know you're probably wondering, what could that theme be for this particular show? Well, you'll have to wait till we get there to find out. Now, my show game plan does not mean that I'm a slave to that particular theme. Those of you that have been kind enough to follow my shows know that I can get easily distracted driving me at times to cover items that just happen to pop up in my head that aren't necessarily related to the show's theme or something comes across the news wires and I want to interject it. Uh, for instance, have you noticed, uh, say on Fox News, Fox Business, Newsmax, or any of the other conservative uh, television sites, when an anchor brings a Republican and a Democrat on the show, in some kind of panel discussion, uh, to go over a topic. 
The Republican is usually very analytic in their discussion. Well, the Democrat has only got pre-programmed talking points and sounds like they're on some kind of campaign stump speech. The Democrat is both a party cheerleader and a bomber pilot. Their goal is to napalm any Republican in the discussion. Watch the next time you see Kellyanne Conway on Fox News or Fox Business versus a Democrat. Kellyanne, she she will outline competing strategies, tactics, what the polls say, the the yins and yangs of any given race they're talking about, or any particular topic. The opposing Democrat spends all their time celebrating Joe Biden or some other Democrat in in the situation, defending Pete Buttigieg or or uh, Kamala Harris or a- any of those things. It, it really is quite annoying. But you don't really get anything out of the Democratic side of discussion. Now, when you watch CNN or MSNBC, (laughs) if you ever get to those, uh, they have people on a panel, and they're usually all radical leftists. And I'm going to have a a segment coming up where you're going to hear one of those radical leftists. You can't believe some of the stuff they say. Now, MSNBC of the two, CNN and MSNBC, has gone all in on the hate and loathing side of things. Uh, as a guest, if you do not stick to the straight orthodoxy of wokeism and progressive dogma, uh, you're gone, perhaps banished forever. Now, I can only take about seven or eight minutes of MSNBC. After that, my blood pressure enters the danger zone. Well, let's get back to where we stopped before the show's intermission. Now, I was in the process of telling Joe Biden, no, Joe, Your appetite for autocratic rule cannot be appeased again. Let me say it just one more time. No, Joe, no, your appetite for autocratic rule cannot be appeased again. No to the further politicization of the FBI and DOJ. These people aren't serving anybody, making parents out to be terrorists to go to board meetings. No, Joe, no more to affirmative action. And it's newer, sick, perverted version called diversity equity, and inclusion. Affirmative action has been in place for more than 60 years. It has really not made much of any difference in the professional ranks of minorities in many of the trades and occupations and professions. And all we've done is turn it into a newer version, a sexier version called diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, I have a short clip I want to play from you by Vivek Ramaswamy. A little hard to say sometimes. Vivek, V-I-V-E-K, Ramaswamy, R-A-M-A-S-W-A-M-Y, Ramaswamy. You don't know him, but he's the third person to enter in to the presidential race on the GOP side. He's a 37-year-old, you probably have guessed this by now, Indian-American, and he's running for president. He's a very sharp guy. We're going to hear a lot more from him. I don't think he's going to be the nominee, but I do think he's going to have a lot to say about the discussion and the, the platform eventually because he really knows how to bring things home. Let me play a short clip of his recent talk with Tucker Carlson and his announcement about his run for the presidency about this very topic called affirmative action. I'm all for putting America first, but in order to put America first, we have to first rediscover what America is 
And to me, those are these basic rules of the road that set this nation into motion from meritocracy to free speech to self-governance over aristocracy. The people who we elect actually make them run the government rather than this cancerous federal bureaucracy decimating affirmative action. It has been a national cancer. One of my top priorities will be to end affirmative action in every sphere of American life. So what has Vivek said? Well, to my mind, he's saying first we must redefine what it means to be an American and what America means to her citizens. Second, are we a meritocracy or a socialist nation bordering on American Marxism? Remember, Barack Obama traveled the world his first six months in office apologizing for America being the land of exceptionalism. Obama was ashamed of America. We just didn't fit in with the other global socialist elites, as in Europe. Obama would never say the phrase, America first. Never, never, never. Nor would Joe Biden, as we saw him jet to Poland, completely ignoring the traumatized citizens of East Palestine and Ohio. Third, Vivek makes reference to holding fast to our First Amendment, which, of course, is free speech and the freedom to practice the religion of our choosing without interference from the government. Now, if you have not noticed progressives, those in power in the Senate and in the White House, and largely just to step away from power in the House of Representatives, progressives, I mean, those who border on declaring as socialist and Marxist do not accept the premise of free speech. To them, free speech means controlled, censored speech. And in my opinion, that's why what Elon Musk did in buying Twitter is perhaps the most brave and noble act of 2022. He made Twitter open to conservative thought by reworking Twitter's biased censorship algorithms. Now, make no mistake, we are at war. We're at war with the Democrats over opposite positions concerning speech and our God-given right to freely express ourselves. Now, if you do not have free speech, you cannot have democracy. This is a logical truth. There's no two ways around it. If citizens are not free to speak their thoughts and compete with other ideas of what and how their government should serve them, then you don't have democracy. When one side controls speech and empowers one person to speak for them, you have an autocratic form of government. Joe Biden is constantly telling us he's saving democracy. In folly, he says he's rescuing democracy from the ultra-MAGA conservatives. The fourth point Vivek makes in this short declarative statement is to re-empower our elected officials and to depower, actually dethrone the deep state. Enough, enough of the swamp already. You know, during the four years of, of Trump, we really got to see the swamp in action, but it's still in action. We see it all the time. It's the shadow government, the intelligence agencies who voted for Joe Biden when 51 of their high officials produced that reprehensible letter stating that Hunter Biden's laptop, the one from the very depths of hell, was a Russian plant. The same intelligence agencies and the politicized FBI and DOJ, they tried to convince America that Donald Trump was in collusion with the Russians. And that has been, every one of these things has been proven false 
Nonetheless, the Democrats continue to push this nonsense. Vivek is saying, if you think Joe Biden is really calling the shots as commander-in-chief, then all you must do is think back to a very recent Chinese balloon debacle. Oh, come on already. Who doubts there's a small cabal of Obama holdovers who are really running the show in league with these deep state operators? Now, the fifth point. Vivek knows, as a brown man, as an Asian American, that affirmative action and diversity, equity, and inclusion in all their evil forms is a cancer. It's simply a cancer. It's a deadly, contagious, insidious, pernicious infection that's been injected into the body politic of Americans by progressives in their quest, really, for unlimited power. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is just another form, a more expansive form, a three-note-sounding form of affirmative action. Now, they have equity in a broader definition of affirmative action. So what is equity to progressives? Equity or equal outcomes means to take the excel out of excellence, the worthy out of worthwhile, and the achieve out of achievement. It kills merit and replaces it with sameness, and sameness breeds mediocrity. So what does it mean to be mediocre? Indifferent, commonplace, uninspired, unexceptional, run-of-the-mill, second-rate, forgettable, average, you're basically a nobody. How does the left define mediocrity? For them, mediocrity is a celebration of personal choice and individuality. It's the acceptance of your limitation. It's an acceptance that will liberate you. What a perverse definition, don't you think, of mediocre? Vivek Ramaswamy, a very interesting fellow. I encourage you to look him up. Again, Vivek, V-I-V-E-K, Ramaswamy, R-A-M-A-S-W-A-M-Y, Ramaswamy. Very interesting character. Yes, today the devil has dressed himself up in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, for the woke, this is their mantra. As far as I'm concerned, it's an anathema, an abomination. It's a curse. And as time goes on, I will tell you why I believe it is a curse. And today's just the start on that journey. Now, here's something I'd like you to think about. I think it's a very interesting contradiction. In the last four years, thousands, literally thousands upon hundreds of thousands of new positions for directors and vice presidents of diversity, equity, and inclusion have been created in corporations and hospitals and the military and governments of all sizes and just about everything else. It wouldn't surprise me if the Department of Justice soon tells kids with lemonade stands they must have a VP of DEI. Now I ask you to think to you what does diversity, equity, and inclusion really mean? The odd thing about these positions that have been created is that 99% of them have been staffed with African Americans. You will be hard-pressed to find a Hispanic as VP of DEI, and heaven forbid you will not find an Asian in any of these positions, or for that matter, any other minority. 
And these African-Americans that staff these positions are largely women. Now, considering African-Americans are not even the largest minority in America, it does not appear that filling these positions with black people is very diverse or equitable and certainly cannot be inclusive. Or am I missing something? I know this sounds like something a racist would say. I don't know if you watch Gutfeld in the evening. You know, he's on Fox. He's the comedian, the king of late night. He always has these little lead-ins that says, sounds like something a racist would say. Uh, This sounds like something a racist would say. But I can tell you, I am most assuredly not a racist. And I have 73 years of life experiences that prove this. So I ask the DEI community, when is it only black lives that matter? And white lives and, say, police lives, they don't. Does not this fact alone signal something is grossly and perversely wrong in America? We are either all Americans and all our lives matter just the same, or we may as well be as shattered glass with millions of sharp shards spread across 50 states. Now, these few items I've mentioned today hardly scratch 5% of what we're calling Joe Biden out on. And again, Joe, here's our message to you. Appetites of the autocrat cannot be appeased. They must be opposed. Autocrats only understand one word. No, no, no. No, you will not take my country. No, you will not take my freedom. No, you will not take my future. For free people refuse to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. Yes, Joe Biden, I will remember your words. Appetites of the autocrat cannot be appeased. They must be opposed. Autocrats only understand one word. No, no, no. No, you will not take my country. No, you will not take my freedom. And no, you will not take my future. For free people refuse to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. Yes, Joe. I hope we all find the no in our speech. So let me change up now and ask you, if you had to describe how you feel about what's been going on in America these past two years, what specific words would you choose? For instance, would you say things are going as if we're making America great again? Would you dare say America first? Would you use words like happy, content, feel good, excited, future-looking, or impressed. I want you to choose words to describe your feelings, your fears, your concerns, your general impressions and observations from over the past two years. Do you feel safe in your home, on the streets of your city, safe from the millions of illegal aliens crossing the border, gotaway aliens for whom we haven't a lick of information on? Do you feel safe that your children are safe from the evils of social media, bullying at school, safe from what your child is learning at school? Is it reading, writing, and math, and not issues of gender identity or false teaching of, teachings of critical race theory? You cannot have safety without security. Do you think America is secure? Do we have security at our borders? If a nation does not have secure borders, it's not a nation. How did Joe Biden's withdrawal 
from Afghanistan make you feel? How do you feel about the war's possibilities of escalating in Ukraine with China and Iran as possible entrants? I know most of us push this stuff into our mind's black box, never to be thought of again, because thinking about something we have no control over is, is not mentally healthy, is it? But is it true? Do we have no control over these aspects of our life? But we do, I say. We can vote. But then you say, well, what's one vote going to do? We can use our free speech, which progressives are trying to limit, to convince others to vote the way we think about things, and then we become many voters. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, and it's far too early to be thinking thoughts like this, no doubt. But stick with me. And I will do, I'll do all the heavy lifting. As you drink that third cup of coffee or second Coke or whatever your poison is, I know you'll quickly catch up. So, so let's go back to the questions. Words to match your assessment of how you feel and what you think about what's going on in America today. How would you describe the last two years? Surely, surely you have thoughts about the contrast of four years of Donald Trump's impact on America compared to what we're seeing today out of the Biden disastrous administration? I know you do. You, can, you can't help. You, can, you, can't, you just can't escape feelings, even strong feelings and thoughts that clash with what I would call your moral, sane, and sensible self. So, so why do I say stuff like this? You, you must think I'm leading you to, to think and, and say negative things about the Biden administration. Oh, to the contrary, I'm simply following the lead of what many of you have been telling pollsters. Yes, multiple recent surveys demonstrate that somewhere between 70 and 90 percent of Americans are not happy with America's current direction. A recent poll shows that 9 out of 10 young people are dissatisfied with our current direction. Despite these findings... I still believe that Joe is going to announce his run for the presidency very soon. However, I also still believe he will not be the Democrats' presidential nominee. And now at the moment, he can't afford to announce he's not running. He'd be an immediate immediate lame duck. There's always time for him to back out uh, for health reasons, for personal decisions. Perhaps he, he wants to save Hunter from going through all the cruelty that uh, Republicans have planned for him in committee meetings. There's an article in Politico this week that says there's already a plan B in case Joe somewhere along the line decides not to run in terms of gathering the other Democrats who would want to be president. Now, that list looks like a nightmare, let me tell you. Racial issues. Uh, You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., had some brilliant speeches in his time. Probably the most often quoted lines come from his I Have a Dream speech. As I'm sure you remember, that quote goes, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now, he gave that speech on the steps to the Lincoln Memorial on August 28th of 1963. And I dare you to find a Democrat today, especially one 
who espouses to be a progressive, who quotes these lines, you won't find one. They don't like this line. They don't believe it's applicable. They don't believe in any such thing as a colorblind society. It's no longer about the content of their character. In fact, it's always about the color of their skin today. Now, here's one quick example of this turnabout. Skin color is everything in today's far-left media, academia, employment, government, athletics. You choose it, it's there. It's everywhere. It's pervasive. It's being pushed in your face. The following is a clip from an MSNBC panel discussion about the presidential bid of Nikki Haley, the former U.N. ambassador and governor of South Carolina. She is a brown-skinned woman. Nikki Haley her, and her parents, they were immigrants to America, making her an Indian American, not to be confused with an American Indian. Here's what that MSNBC group allowed to be said about Nikki Haley on this massive corporate platform. Uh, to quote Zora Neale Hurston, not all skin folk are kinfolk. Uh, Nikki Haley instead is the Dinesh D'Souza of Candace Owens. She's the alpha Karen with brown skin. And for white supremacists and racists, she's the perfect Manchurian candidate. And instead of applauding her, I am just disgusted by people like Nikki Haley who know better, whose parents were the beneficiaries, as Asha said, of the 1965 Immigration Nationality Act, which passed thanks to those original BLM protesters and the Civil Rights Act. Her father came here because he was a professor. He taught at a historically black college in South Carolina. That's how she became the proud American that she is. And yet, what does she do like all these model minorities, which, by the way, is a strategy of white supremacy to use Asians in particular as a cudgel against black folks. Instead of pulling us up from the bootstraps and pulling others from the bootstrap, we're taught to take your boot and put it on the neck of poor browns, immigrants, refugees and black folks. And that's what she did in her ad. So I see her and I feel sad, Mehdi, because she uses her brown skin as a weapon against poor black folks and poor brown folks. And she uses her brown skin to launder white supremacist talking points. And the reason why I feel sad, because no matter what she does, Mehdi, it'll never be enough. They'll never love her. Nikki Haley, Alpha Karen with brown skin, who's the perfect Manchurian candidate for white supremacist and racist. Now, this speaker goes on to say that Nikki's parents should have known better that when they immigrated here, and by the way, they did so legally, they did it on the shoulders of black people and BLM activists who sacrificed for generations. And her father even made his living by teaching in an all-black college, as if because black people allowed him, a brown immigrant, to earn a living. Nikki somehow now owes a debt of servitude to the new civil rights campaign of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, this reprobate goes on to say it is somehow a strategy of white supremacists to use Asians as a cudgel against black folk, and instead of pulling black folk up by the bootstraps, Asians are taught to take their boots and put them on the necks of poor brown immigrants, refugees, and black folk. And this commentator admonishes Miss Haley that no matter how much water she carries for white folk and they're racist, they will never love her. Mind you, 
that Nikki Haley, as governor of South Carolina, led the charge to repeal the Confederate flag as South Carolina's state flag. As a point of history, the American Civil War got started in South Carolina, banishing the flag in the nation's most Confederate of all southern states was no small feat for a woman, much less a brown Asian woman. Let's not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friend, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Yes. That was Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I'm Daniel Francis Baranowski, and you've been listening to The Frankly Daniel Show. Thank you for listening, and until next week.